This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. I've been running, trying to get hung up in my mind. Got to give myself a good talking to this time. Just need a little brain salad surgery. Got to cure my insecurity. R.I.P. to the great Dr. John, who passed away today. Adam Cole is your NXT champ. Travis Banks is next for Walter. And who knows who is the number one contender for cruiserweight. I'm here with Chris Novembrino. We're going to have scolding cold takes on NXT TakeOver as well. This is Shake Them Ropes. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. I like that some places are scalding hot, but we are scolding and cold <laughs> because we have the accountability room. And what you opened up with there sounds like the new theme song for the accountability room. I was in the right place, but it must have been the wrong time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the accountability room is that place. Well, you know, if you're frostbitten, it is scalding cold. So, so these will be ice, ice cold almost a week afterwards. Well, I was saying scolding, as in like, oh. like we, 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 yeah, we scold. You know, in the accountability room, there's much scolding that occurs. Yes, yes. First, you put on the uh, the stone of shame, and then you take it off. Then there's the, the dunce cap. You have to climb yes. the hill of punishment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the hill. You've ever, oh God, have you ever had to do one of those? Like a giant I have not. hill of sand, just up and down, up and down for like cardio. No, I haven't. It is I remember uh, when Blake Griffin first came into the league. That was sort of his claim to fame as he had one of these train-with-the-earth type trainers, and they, they were putting out videos of him going up and down desert dunes, and that's yeah. how he was getting all of his training. I hear that works wonders, though, especially for your calves and whatnot. It, it, it does. Uh, there's a pretty good Sean, old Sean Connery movie called The Hill as well about a prison camp, I believe, during World War II. Where uh, that, that's the punishment, where you have to do that all day long. But let us get to the wrestling. <laughs> uh, I am going to do some cleanup here from my show on Tuesday. Ring of Honor opened up a 48-hour inquiry into the incident with Bully Ray and my friend Josh. They did not contact Josh. I think that tells you all you need to know about the nature of this investigation. And it is now considered closed. It sounds like it was very rigorous. So you actually know the person in question behind this story that has come out. Yes. Um, good guy. Goes to, I mean, flies all over the country. Is usually at every mania getting like one of the platinum packages for uh, Evolve and whatnot. He comes down to PWG a lot. He and I waited in the line. I believe I met him in 2014 or 2015, and we just kind of hung out all three nights. Just, you know, he's a super fan, and he loves wrestling, and he heckles heels, and he cheers baby faces. He doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't do anything that makes anybody uncomfortable. And like I said on the show, if the crowd is uncomfortable, it's one thing. If the wrestlers are uncomfortable, it's up to you as the performer to take your stage back. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair critique. Um... And just from reading the accounts and kind of the supporting narratives and stuff, this all, his version of events just has the ring of truth about it. Well, Bully Ray's account doesn't deny anything that, that Josh said, and neither did anybody in the uh, crowd, really. So, I mean, I, you got, I got no reason there to There is no countervailing narrative right. either. Yeah, exactly. And Bully Ray's version of events seems less plausible than his, right? It, it to your point, doesn't really contradict it. It's just like, well, it didn't quite go down that way, which is weak. Chris, we have a tradition unlike any other. The revealing the of new- room. <laughs> the revealing of new NXT names for people we've already met. Or actually uh, one who's established himself, but we haven't seen on TV yet. So Trevor Lee, Jesse Alabon, Eric Bugenhagen, Adrian Jowd, and Luke Menzies all getting new names. Trevor Lee is now going to be known as Cameron Grimes. There were some outstanding memes about the Simpsons episode with Frank Grimes out there. Yes, yes, of course. I want that as a gimmick. I do. Just the guy who does everything right. And look at this big seven foot guy who can't, does have like two left feet. 
Oh, give him a main event push. And then he just, you know, explodes. Jesse Elaban is Jesse Kamea. Rick Bugen or Eric Bugenhagen is now Rick Bugez or Rick Boogs. They've shortened it to Boogs, I think, Chris. Uh, Adrian Jout is Arturo Huas. And Luke Menzies is the ever soap opery name of Ridge Holland. They should not have changed Bugenhagen. Some of these name. are deeply lateral moves. Yes, I agree. If not downward trending moves. Well, I think Trevor Lee would have been fine, although you have Keith Lee out there, and oh, we can't have two Lees. Uh, Jesse Elaban, I... Jesse yes, Elaban is now like I 31, think... 32. She is a sweetheart, but I just don't see her making the main roster, to be honest with you. She's she's very athletic, but she's not wrestling coordinated. Yeah, um, I, I think her name change is probably the closest to an improvement. I don't think Luke Menzies name change is no. a real uh, move in the right direction. Arturo Huas is a pretty cool like name for like a Brazilian mixed martial arts fighter. I it's- liked Jowd though. There's something kind of, yeah. there's a good mouthfeel to that last name. But uh, Eric Bugenhagen is the one that just sticks out there as why did you change this? Especially after he got such great reactions on television. Yeah, and Boogin, Hagen, clap, 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 clap. 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 Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's right there. Yeah. Um, I did the preview for the Saudi Arabia show, but uh, Goldberg and The Undertaker made appearances. Anything from Monday or Tuesday that caught your eye, caught your ear, you'd like me to talk about whatever? I'm trying to remember because I, I have I did watch a little bit of this, but I don't have the notes in front of me. Um, okay. Goldberg was okay. I I didn't think that he was he was terrible. Oh, I think uh, I thought his promo was great. I yeah. do. I I think he's just in I don't give a crap mode and will just say whatever he feels. And he's as I said when he came back to face Lesnar. This is kind of the Goldberg I wish I had had in WCW as opposed to the snorting monster. I get that he was way super over, but he never developed this kind of charisma he never had this and on his first wwf run man that was catastrophic they were putting wigs on him and stuff the 24 7 title or the wildcard title continues to be uh, just i don't know kind of goofy oh lars lars's promo was deliciously awful (laughs) oh man it was so bad it was so 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 bad yeah, I I uh, I thought you could have just uh had him just intimidate Kayla, make her uncomfortable for a bit, but uh yeah, they tried they did a half measure on the idea that we had or even on the idea that he, what he was in NXT where he was the, you know, the intelligent monster and now he's more Say the word, Kayla. Yeah, now he now he's John Hurt and the Elephant Man. That was deeply deeply bad. Um that's really all I have to say about that. Uh, what else? What happened on Raw here? I'm looking at Raw. Oh, the little dancing around of the cash-in and stuff. The the only thing I really sank my teeth into Raw was uh, Drew McIntyre and the Revival versus Roman Reigns and the Usos. I thought that was a good match. Yeah, that was. And and uh, and the Revival will now lose on the pre-show in the in Saudi Arabia. So. <laughs> Oh, that's the other thing. One one news uh, bit from that Saudi Arabia show. Apparently, Alexa Bliss and Natty Neidhart are in attendance, as is possibly Renee Young. They are trying to get a women's match onto this show. Don't know if it'll it's going to fly, but they're going to make the attempt. Much Interesting. Like, much like Interesting. they did. In, well, they did that. Uh, you know, they had Sasha and Alexa put on right, body suits right. in Abu Dhabi, so... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly think for WWE when they're trying to make the affirmative case that this is part of, like, moving Saudi Arabian culture, you know, closer to Western world sort of stuff. Like, this would be helpful for them when they're trying to make that case. Yeah. So, Chris, we can do no wrong here um, amongst the oh, I know that. in my opinion. Uh, so let's pick one and go with it. Okay. Let's do NXT UK because... I thought this was a really good episode. I love this episode going, man, there's a lot of really cool things going on right now on this NXT UK brand. I would agree. Uh, The Hunt got a big win Mm. against T-Bone and Saxon Huxley, the greatest team 
in the history of NXT UK. The and let me just say, Nigel was ever- awesome on commentary <laughs> during this match. I I don't know. Nigel took the funny pills today. Uh, going oh, Nigel was on fire on this and 205 Live, I thought. I thought he, he was, was just so great. funny. He had a really great week. Um, I, I died at both uh, the wild boar Mike Hitchman and uh, the primate sticking the tag rope in their mouth. Yeah, I, that killed yeah. Me. No, and, they have synergy now. They have they, they that move that we thought was kind of weak sauce and was an okay setup move, but it was a bad finisher. Guess what? It's now an okay setup move for their good finisher. Yeah, I, I am happy. This, this these are steps in the right direction. I like the hunt. They have matching outfits now. Clearly, a team that they have some sort of plan for. I'm into this, and I thought that this Tyson T-Bone and Saxon Huxley team was. A, a nice breath of fresh air in some of these openers, and this is just a really fresh pairing. It was a short match. It was like under four minutes, but really good. Spirited. Like this match. Um, I, I really liked the Primates' uh, gorilla clothesline. Oh, I love that. I that love thing that. thing where he, like, he slaps both Nuts his hands the ground, on the mat yeah. and then jumps up. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I like T-Bone a lot. Saxon Huxley... Still has a bit of a ways to go to get me to turn around. Of just do. I feel like he's improving. I thought he was better here. He was better here. I, I will give. I will give him that. He was better here. The character's still a little goofy by half for me, though. Well, I mean, like I look at this guy and, Nigel and was I see him. Nigel was yes. bearing that. You know, the mystical oh. <laughs> wizardly. <laughs> that whatever. was what made it so funny. <laughs> um, and I do look at him and I see a guy trying to cosplay Bruiser Brody still. And I need him to do something yeah. else, and I kind of get that, that. That's sort of what I'm doing here, I've, you know. But Bruiser Brody is Bruiser Brody, and let's let Bruiser's gimmick stay with Bruiser. I am you know going to. I'm going to drop the loser Brody nickname. Um, <laughs> doesn't deserve that, and we're 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 better than that. We're professionals. Uh, and Are then we? get. I well, I tried. <sighs> I'm semi pro. That's not what the accountability room says. Okay, well. Whatever. Uh, then Gallus, Chris, we need to start a petition. This was a high crime of ep- how? After a hard fought, vi- I- it's unright. I it's not right. It's no. not right. I said it's unright. Yeah, that's how, it's that so hard. it's so wrong that I had to make a new word for it. It's unright. They were out there giving their all, and then this Gallus people. Committed Come this injustice Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the Hunter are going to be baby faces now? Yeah, no, that cool. was the vibe I got through this match. Um, They, they had kind of fan favorite uh, like late 1980s, early 1990s style of fan, the wild man fan favorite stuff. You know, the tag rope in the mouth, the kind of the occasional appeals to the crowd, the top rope based finishing move. Yeah, I, I think they are baby faces now, and I'm I'm into this. I, I think that the HUD feuding with Gallus is an interesting little mid-card feud. Let's do this. Uh, since the first time I ever saw her, I thought Ginny had such a great heel aura to her live and in matches. This promo with Jazzy, she came off just vibrant as hell. And like a damn top tier women's heel here, I thought. She is great. I find this story a little bit confused at like the dynamic between Jazzy and Ginny. Oh, I think it's a typical, I, I hired this person to do my dirty work and then eventually it'll be... But I did all the work and she turns because Jazzy, Jazzy's yes. going Jazz- to get the crowd behind her. Eventually. Okay, okay, okay. You 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 think that's where we're going? Okay, she's gonna be a face. Um, yeah, I, I, and I I was kind of finding the tension there. Like, does this end with her turning as a face, or does this end? I'd almost favor Jazzy eventually just like smashes Jitty and says, "I don't need you. I I'm now like the super uber mega heel of this division." No, she will be she will be the uber heel for Ginny up until the point where Ginny wants a title shot. Or gets a title shot. And then, okay, and then, okay, and then, so Ginny's going to be manager to the stars of sorts here. Well, she's going to be manager to Jazzy for now. And then down the road, it's going to be that turn. Because if if this goes like Jazzy back during the Mae Young Classic, she's going to be red hot 
and people are going to be trying to turn her a- after she gets done with the Zia Brookside program or after she she beats after Tony Storm beats her probably in route to having Ginny then go up against her and go oh you're stupid you couldn't get this done or whatever you know it's a typical right, right. monster yeah, sure, type thing sure. but she will be I mean that crowd will be white hot for her to turn babyface after she gets beat by Tony Storm then we had Kaylee Ray she pinned Casey Owens short match this this was fine I, I don't really have a ton to say about this we're, we're still kind of just building up Kaylee Ray here wasn't on my notes it, 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 didn't, it didn't really register with me. I didn't write. Yeah. I just wrote down what interested me for the most part for on all these shows. I love Zach Gibson. Yes, man. I feel like every week he just keeps growing on me. He's he is such a great promo. He's so fun and entertaining and such a such a classic heel. Classic I d- heel. I look. This is another one I was dead wrong on because I was watching him during that second UK tournament to determine who would go up against Pete Dunne. I'm like, what do they see in this guy? Yes, I didn't see it. Now I totally do. Hell yeah, this guy's great. That This dude cut an epic promo on Johnny Saint, who <laughs> deserves to have not- promos cut on him. <laughs> There's so many different things going on in this promo. It's awesome. Uh, then we have the announcement of Imperium versus British Strong Style for next week. Excited about that. Love getting told what I'm going to be seeing next week. And then we finished off with our Fatal 4-Way, a surprise winner to the Fatal 4-Way. Travis Banks did not see that coming. Um, I called this, I think. Did you? I mean, I I thought it, well, I thought, I I think I gave, I think I hedged my bets and called two winners. So that's a bit unfair, but um, no, I I really, I really like this match a lot. I, yeah, I thought, this was great. I thought Jordan Devlin was great in it. I thought Dave Mastiff was great in it. Joe Coffey doing certain mm-hmm. spots. I, I Look, it's it's pure WWE hokiness, but I love the spot where Jordan Devlin's making fun of Joe Coffey, and Joe Coffey's right behind him, and he just goes, oh, damn it. <laughs> I thought that was great. Travis Banks and Walter I saw in New Orleans, uh, not this past WrestleMania, but the WrestleMania before that. But that was when Banks was a heel as the Evolve champ, and he was like they they were throwing all these great guys against him. I'm a little shocked they didn't give Dave Mastiff this. Yes, one. yes. That I mean, the intrigue for me leaving this match is. Oh boy, Dave Mastiff versus Walter is going to be this real clash of the titans, and NXT UK has done a very good job getting me excited about these two giants finally clashing on a yeah, big he, stage. He, it felt like it was time for a power guy to lose to Walter as opposed to another small guy, because Devlin yes. had already lost to him, and before that it was coffee, so it felt like you know we're going to go big, small, big, and then whoever on you know, British strong style, they decide to throw at Walter eventually. Uh, I guess what they're going to try to do is keep the Mastiff winning streak going and sort of ignore this loss here in the Fatal 4-Way. That, that was the part that was jarring to me as they kept saying over and over throughout this match, well, you know, Dave Mastiff's undefeated. You know, Dave Mastiff's undefeated. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that is true. That is very true. And then he does not win this match. And I guess he did not get pinned, and that is true. But... He did not win this match. No, and I, I thought, you know, and I thought Travis Banks was quite good in this. I, I think, for me, if I'm if I'm WWE or if I'm NXT UK, whoever's booking that, I have Travis Banks go through all three members of Gallus on his way to fighting Walter. I, I think that's the story you need to tell. He needs to be, I mean, you, you tell this story. Well, these Eichner and Bartell enhancement matches on the way to Walter are always going to be fun. I, I do think that that's going to be interesting. Yeah, but this is David Goliath. So I, yes, I think you, for you sure. have him go through the three big guys in Gallus and then fight Walter while, while Bartel. But Gallus is tied up. I mean, I, I get with what who? you're saying. They're tied up with the hunt. Oh, my God, Jeff. Accountability <laughs> room, five No, seconds. that never happened, Chris. Chris, that okay. never happened. I, you can't just you, black this out for the purposes yes, of I plot can. considerations. Ah, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Well, Bartell and Eichner are tied up with Mustache Mountain and Brewer's Strong Style, so, I mean... Yeah, I, I, so I think this Travis Banks thing is just going to be kind of floating. Yeah, I do, too. I think it's probably... God, it might even be Devlin. 
up until he gets to Walter yeah, trying to take right, away trying right. to take away the title shot. Yeah. But I mean, look, I think if you could free one member of Gallus a week, that would be the way to build this as a David Goliath thing. Because I, I think Travis Banks has a certain he has a certain Daniel Bryan quality to him. Um, yeah, no, I see that. I see that, and I, I definitely think he can be heated up in this universe to the point where he's ready for a Walter title shot. Yeah, you gotta but, get ready. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not there, and I left this match there with Dave Mastiff in a way that I don't know that I was two or three weeks ago. So, like, I, that that was just vibes that I was getting from this particular match. Yeah. Take those for what they're worth. But you do have to build him up, otherwise nobody's going to believe that he can beat Walter, and everybody's going to check out. Absolutely, absolutely. And let's go to two hundred five live. Then let's talk about. Drew Gulak, I feel like this Drew Gulak reboot has really been hampered by all of this NXT balderdash. Because you mean, you mean the the stuff he's been doing in NXT? Yes, and, I agree. And seeing him on NXT this week in the preboot version of Drew Gulak versus this two hundred five one was actually kind of. Not great for, I because I mean, theoretically, you know, he's been on Twitter over the last several weeks here, not theoretically, in reality. He's been on Twitter over the last several weeks here teasing a change of appearance and a change of gimmick and a change of attitude. And because of the NXT tapings being several weeks ago, he's still in that other old gimmick in the NXT universe. My real quibble with this is that we've been building up we built up that fatal five-way as determining a number one contender. And we then just used that to basically have Gulak come out, get a match, and beat Akira Tozawa clean. I get Which, what's going on here. Well, we're I think they're setting up the three as the number one. Oh, okay. See, I think we're going to get Drew as the number one contender here. Well, it, the end of 205 Live seems to indicate one of two things, that we may get a multi-person match for the title, or we're going to get somebody new in the division who's going to be declared number one. I think. I don't know. My my issue with this was, I, I don't mind reintroducing Gulak this way. I don't even mind Gulak beating Akira Tozawa. I just thought there had to be that moment, either mostly through Drake Maverick, who was out there, one of two things. Either Drew had to d- demand, okay... I'm going to submit Akira Tozawa, which I think they should have tied in the NXT part to it a little bit. And that way you'd have that kind of continuity there. But if I beat Tozawa, I'm the number one contender. Or Drake Maverick saying, okay, Akira, you can have this match if you want, but you don't need to take it. But if you lose, you lose the number one contendership. And you can do that one of two ways, because I don't want the heel manager... I don't want Drake to be a heel on 205 Live. I no, but don't. a lot more plot needs to start moving through Drake Maverick, because yes. when this show was good, the show was moving a lot of plot through Drake Maverick, who was not a grand mixer. He wasn't always, you know, moving people all over the place and stirring up the shit. He was just making things happen, booking matches. Occasionally, a heel would come in and run his mouth off to Drake Maverick, and Drake Maverick would be like, that's cool. Well, I am still the boss here, and you do need to have a match tonight, so I'm not angry, but I'm also about to do my job, and you're part of it tonight. Well, I have an out for that, too, a little bit, and it ties into Mike Canales' promo, which I really liked. You could have Drake be so caught up in this stupid 24-7 title run that he just goes, okay, whatever, you get the match. I don't, but I don't want to put heat on him. I don't want, you know, and that's the problem. So, and I also don't want him to be obsessed with the wild card belt. Well, but that's canon now. I'm aware. So it's one of those things where I just think they needed to make it a de facto title, the number one contender spot, and do it that way as opposed to Gulak then coming out and beating him. I thought Gulak, this is kind of the point where he should have cheated. I think too, maybe to win. Yeah, I think so as well. I I don't really see a point in defeating Tozawa cleanly. And and I guess unless Tozawa comes out out next week and beats Tony Nese in a non-title match to get another number one contender 
he gets a contender spot. You know, it's that kind of yeah round to robin open 50-50. up. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, I can kind of get around that, but no, I, I think the way we're talking about this match, it didn't make Gulak look really strong that he came out and defeated his old nemesis Akira Tozawa with like a very strong and decisive victory in this new character. Yeah, this is a, like a, a, Joe Joe lands over on the voices was saying that this is basically evolve catch point style Drew Gulak who, you know, grapple effing all over the place. And he's he's kinda right in that regard. This is this was like a, a grapple heavy match for, for Drew, I thought. And I, I like that. I I like Drew Gulak anyways. But I, I like the match a lot. I just it was it was just a little confusing to me where it's like, bam, we put three weeks into Akira Tozawa just to get him beat clean. I was kind of taken aback by that, but uh yeah, this is a good night for promos, though. I loved Mike Kanellis' promo. I did. I thought that was the best promo he's had since he's been on the, been on WWE television. Yes, this was definitely the best Mike Kanellis. Because he bar. also brought in he also brought in that Drake Maverick is so distracted by the twenty four seven title that he, yeah yeah it's it's the kind of kind of I wonder that, that if Drake Maverick's me. in danger of losing his job if we're we're gonna be building to a management change in two hundred five live here to kind of spice things up and put some new energy into the show. My fear is he's gonna name himself the number one contender because he's so obsessed with getting a title. That's my oh fear. Maverick oh god. But I I don't think they'll do that. They might, but I I doubt they will. Um, also, pretty good promo from the Lucha House part. Lindsay Dorado should be doing all the talking for me. I am a big fan of Lindsay Dorado. I think he's really underappreciated as a talker. I, I, I think that both both him and Kalisto are more than capable of carrying a fun and energetic promo. And as I've been saying for a while, Graham Metalik needs to be like the classic South Park character Kenny the circa the first five seasons where all we ever hear is I thought Metalik was perfect in this promo because he just grunted something and the two of them just look at him for a moment and then they move on with the promo. I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah. And that that is that is how Metalik needs to be. He he and only they can understand him and it's because they can understand through the mask. Like that needs to be the gimmick. I'm into this. Okay, I need to talk a little bit about this Oni Lorcan Aria Davari program. I liked the match. I liked the promos at the beginning of the show. But the ending is in the beginning when you're storytelling. And both Aria Davari and Oni Lorcan cut promos about putting stitches in people's ears. And then they went out and had a wrestling match. And nothing yeah. was done about the ear. And I was a little bit confused by that, to be honest. This is with a it. good wraparound for when we're talking about the Adam Cole Undisputed Era stuff, too. Yeah, I, I was I was a little... I was like, okay, they're going to go out there and fight. And then they went out there and had a very good wrestling match, I thought. I, I really like that. My, my <laughs> Only Lurkin doing the ultimate warrior stuff was a bit much for me. But other than that, <laughs> when, he, when they cut out... When he hit... I forgot what he hit, but after two, but he gets up... With like these eye, the when he was remember that his debut when he was all angry for no reason. Yes, yeah, it they, was they messed with that, his jacket, and then he starts doing that warrior, you know, hands pumping in the air type of thing. I just went, all right, this is a little too wacky for my taste. I, I, but you know, Arya Davari has been solid since. Uh, since Hideo Itami left, I think. And this was another solid, solid match. It's just the promos confused me a little bit. Yeah, I both of these guys are kind of mirror images in a lot of ways, it, especially with the way the company is mishandling both of them. I think they both have really capable in-ring acts here, and I think both of them are pretty good on the mic, certainly above I don't know passable. I they're being mishandled. I think that's a bit strong. I, I Oh, you're, you're going to tell me that Arya Davari hasn't been mishandled since he's been in this company? Like, I'm, look at the last two years of Arya Davari. I, I look, think that the, they've, had, they've had him hotter at various points, and there was a he should have already been champion, Jeff. Well, <laughs> like, like, so let's. Let, I'm going to wind the back right there. He will, should have already will, been champion. I will just note on the eve of the Saudi Arabia show that the main roster had him going out there with an Iranian flag. Yeah, right. So that, he's that, doing fine in 205 Live in comparison. Yes, but I would still say that's part of like the mishandling <laughs> of Arya Devar. He had also had a run in 205 Live before the Iranian flag episode. 
Yes. So where he was uh, trying to find his character for a number of weeks, but I think he's found it. Yeah, right. And I know, but he he had this character I think six or eight months ago is sort of my point too. Like this isn't necessarily a new character. And Lorkin, it's like they're trying to if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And and I think the same adage applies to Arya Davari. The Arya Davari character essentially hasn't been broken um for six to eight months, but they keep trying to fix it. Um I, I think they just need to set and forget it. Okay. I'll I'll take that as a criticism, but uh yeah, so that's it for 205 Live. Let's get into NXT TakeOver. Oh, baby. Your your thoughts overall on the show? Good. Very good. Not you, great. You didn't takeover. like it as much as, as most of us. I mean, I thought it was another solid TakeOver. I'm never disappointed by TakeOvers. You were lukewarm on it. I was a little shocked by that. Yeah, uh, yeah, above average. Um, No, I, I, I just... I, it, I don't know, uh, and I'm not really sure how to quantify um, not being totally red hot for it. Okay, let's just move right into the Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano match, because I left this super, super unsatisfied with the story I have been told over the last six to eight weeks. Because if you remember, Jeff, the story I was told was that Johnny Gargano had this really super ultra-mega-clever plan to dismantle the Undisputed Era. And there were going to be all these seeds planted, and there was this weird attack where Roderick Strong beat up Matt Riddle and had a bloody sandal, and we haven't revisited any of that. And at the end of this Adam Cole match, I'm looking at Johnny Gargano going, really nice plan to beat or to break up the undisputed era there johnny this worked out good for you i i i think this all makes johnny look very very silly you didn't like the uh i I tell you you probably also didn't like the spot where he pretends to wave them down and they don't come no i i thought that was okay but i i I mean you know johnny does kind of get played by that right uh i it it, uh, does all factor into this johnny's not as clever as he thinks he is narrative and and no i i mean like look yes adam cole beat johnny gargano clean so you have a strong heel champion i i just think in order to get to having a strong heel champion in this case the baby face was made more stupid than the baby face needed to be because all of these beats in the story were very strangely told i liked it a little bit more than you did i are you talking about the match? When you say you liked it more than I did, I, I'm the assuming you're, you're referring to the match. What about, what about the story that we have been told in all the backstage segments, all the in-ring segments, all the talking? Well, I mean, I, I just think, I think number one, they went back to it too quick, and number two, they had never really established Johnny Gargano as pure babyface. It was more of this alpha male babyface where he's kind of still a bit of a jerk, and I just thought, combined with the Combined with the undisputed era, was just and a he was bad mocking mix. Adam Cole for being stupid. Remember a couple of weeks yeah. ago? Yeah. Oh, you you didn't shock the school system. Well, Johnny, guess who didn't shock the school system? Looks like you didn't. Yeah, I think they needed to move away from the undisputed era for one cycle before going back to it. Personally, I thought it was a good story to tell, but they never told it. The one about you I, know, I mean, if you want I to can tell the story, or if you I want to tell the story th- of I'm going to destroy the undisputed era and Johnny's big plan is I'm going to destroy the undisputed era and then it's failed miserably because the undisputed era is just too strong. I think that's one thing, but that's not even really the story they've been trying to tell here over no, the last. No, the story they were the story they needed to tell was that Adam Cole can beat Johnny Gargano in a straight one-on-one, one-fall straight wrestling match with no stipulations and other things, and that if if we didn't have any of these stipulations, I'd be the champ right now. Yeah, and they didn't do that. They didn't do that for a number of weeks either. So no, the in-ring match was good. This is an NXT Takeover main event match. I I didn't go. Wow, these two guys suck. This was a very bad match. No, it was no. a good match. But the story connected into the match it has me extremely lukewarm. I, I I mean, I think now that I'm getting into the story with you here, you're having a hard time defending it as well because it doesn't make a lot of sense, beat for beat. No, the story did make a lot of sense, but 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 the but the match itself is kind of what I wanted to get to. I'm a, I'm a little I'm a little fatigued at kick out of finishers for drama. I am. I, I it it just I, you can't even get into the story until two of the fin- until every guy's finisher has been kicked out at once, and that's a little bothersome to me. But I mean, I I really like the match a lot. I I, I I'm not going to complain too much about. It. That's just a quibble of, of taste for me. Oh, 
You know, there's one thing. This is unrelated, but I, I was like looking at the notes here and there, mentioning there's now been 16 champions, and I saw this name on the list. Alistair Black. Man, have they found a way to make him just a wet turd on the main roster. My oh, goodness. Yeah. No, nothing says alpha male like, come and challenge me while you wait in a room. <laughs> <laughs> Do you um, want to go on a date with me? No one wants to date me. No one. Why doesn't anybody want to fight me? Well, why don't you come out of the closet there and go find somebody, Alistair, and just punch him in the face? That'll get you a fight. You know that that would help. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not impressed with that. I'm not impressed with the fifty-fifty ricochet Cesaro thing. So, but less than about that, the better. Okay, so so to wind this back here to the start of the card, Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. This was a very very good match. I, Roderick I, I Strong's like- the best guy on this roster. Yeah, he's very, very good. Yeah, yeah, he, he's, I, I feel like I've slept on him at various points. No, he's very good. He's really, really good. And then we had, but, 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 but the bro Derek as a name of a, as a name of a movie. I had to double check that that was actually named the bro Derek because that felt like such an esoteric sort of name (laughs) that like, okay. You know, it sounds like one of those late night, you're, you're, you're goofy from lack of sleep. Type of things. Hey, just, let's just make a bunch of bro puns to, to try and get names and moves. And someone came up, how about Bro Derek? It's like, nobody knows who Bo Derek is, and then you just start giggling for like 30 minutes, and you can't stop because it's so funny to you. But, uh, no, I, I love Roddy as a heel. I love him as a baby face. I, I just think, uh, yeah, I, I he was spectacular in this match, getting getting Riddle uh, just backbreaker at their back. I love the spot where he's just running back and forth, punching him. I thought that was great. He, he was great in this match. I thought. Yeah, no, and Riddle very good as well. I I, I think both those guys are awesome. Street Profits defeated Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Steve Cutler, Wesley Blake, Oni Lorkin, and Danny Birch in a ladder match to win the vacant NXT Tag Team Titles. This is a pretty good match, except, like, I'm kind of over the WWE-style laddery finishes. Not unlike what you were saying about the finishing moves, and we can't really get into the closing stages of this match until we have the obligatory finishing move kick-out spot. I feel like they have gotten a little lazy with the ladder-climbing part of the story. I I would agree, but... uh... I think we both between us kind of nailed this Jackson Riker coming out, getting killed again. And uh, I said that the only team that could possibly win this or should possibly win this were the uh, Street Profits. I'm happy they did. Now we get to see what they can do as champions and see if they can bring some sort of heft to these titles. Uh, My other note is that uh, Kyle O'Reilly absolutely killed himself. As did Bobby Fish, it turns out, I think, too, after the match, because you saw his arm was in a sling. So, uh, but, but Bobby, or, but Kyle O'Reilly was just taking back bump after back bump on bad parts of this ladder all night long. I felt for the kid after a while. Yeah, I really like Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, but I understand why they can't be champions right now. I have no problem with the Street Profits as the champions. Very over the crowd. Good team to have the belt on. Velveteen Dream. Defeated Tyler Breeze to retain the North American title. As Tyler Breeze was coming down to the ring, I was thinking about the Velveteen Dream and thinking that in a lot of ways the Velveteen Dream is the much better, much less badly aging gimmick uh, than the Tyler Breeze gimmick, which the Zoolander thing, it's just not aged well six years out. I love Tyler Breeze. He's a great wrestler. This gimmick is kind of stale. Yeah, he's... I liked this match. I think I didn't think they were telling the right story with it, though. No, I, it I, was very weird when Tyler Breeze went to Dream's leg. I thought that beat in the story in the match was like, oh, okay, all right. I didn't see that coming. Well, I, I, I mean, like going back to your Gargano point, I just meant the overall story. And I know he was a last-second replacement, so you can't really fault them for that, but... Um, his thing was to get people excited about winning his first title finally in WW in NXT especially, and it was just one of those weird things because that was his story before he left NXT was he was right on the cusp of winning the NXT title and he could never get there. Um, I liked the match overall. I didn't like the post match at all. No, I that no, hollow. Breeze's promo 
left me very cold on wanting to see him chase anything. And, like, that is sort of my problem with this finish. I think that this match, I know it's an NXT TakeOver, but this would have probably benefited from a non-finish sort of scenario. Uh, well, this is kind of your Baron Corbin, Bull Dempsey type of thing from the early TakeOvers. My My thing was, Dream insulted you badly clowned on your entire career this is what i'm saying like a double count out like a really spirited double count out to keep yeah. this thing going um because i think tyler breeze can't just take a clean loss here and then still quote unquote be in the title hunt unless you do a lot of work now to rebuild him i, well, I if we're gonna get breeze versus adam cole breeze has to go on a serious tear now well, I, I get that, too, and and you're absolutely correct on that. This should have been like a three or four takeover feud culminating in a stipulation-type match. My point was more, if somebody insults you like that that badly and clowns on your career, you're not going to be wanting to... It, that's not a time to go, I respect you, will you take a selfie with me? I'm sorry. I, I just could not suspend my disbelief on that one. Yeah, and then when he went backstage on the NXT post-show this week here and was talking about, you know, I think Velveteen, he respects me, and I respect him, too, and who knows what's next for Tyler Breeze. It's like, yeah, okay, okay. all right, dude. Well, it, it seems uh, Triple H says he may not be long for NXT, so I don't I don't know what they're planning with him. Who knows? But, I mean, he's... He's great. He's creative. I, I, you know, if they if they decide to reboot him in something, I'd be all over that. I'm I'm cool with that too. No, he's super talented. I I just thought that yes, the beats on this not quite there. Shayna Baszler defeats Io Shirai to retain the NXT Women's Title. Jeff, who is going to get this belt off of Shayna Baszler? I did fightful after uh, after this with hot takes, and I asked the question. Do we realize that Shayna Baszler is now the most dominant female champ they've ever had, including Asuka? And is Shayna Baszler the right person for that kind of lofty title? And I, I wasn't sure, and I'm still not certain, to be honest with you. I go back and forth on it. It's like she's got the swag. The fight and play stuff is not helping her at all, and I think she had more badass swag before fight and play were in the mix. Yeah, but I'm. I I don't hate it. It's interesting, and I don't know that I'm on board with cannibalizing Io Shirai in service of it. Io Shirai, when she was signed, was the best wrestler in the world. Period. I. I think they've lost the characterization because she's foreign. I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, and they don't want to make a second Asuka, so to speak. I didn't understand the post-match beatdown. I didn't understand why Candice wasn't doing something about it, rather than just kind of looking a little pensive about it. Why is Io Shirai beating the hell out of Shayna Baszler when she lost fair and square, pretty much? That was just like, all right. So is she a heel? And then the and then I didn't the get that from the promo backstage. No, the commentary. The commentary put it over as well. If you've been through as much as she has, I think they were trying to do a Becky Lynch thing here. Interesting. I think that this is this goes into the not knowing how to book Io Shirai because of language barrier stuff. I think that this is their version of getting her heat back, brother. Yeah. I, I I would go with that. I I, I thought Shayna was quite good in this, um. But yeah, she, she is has now, a very specific well, who do you build to her up now, right? Who do you build right, to her? And, and, and then like Shayna wrestles. I mean, like, look, I I, I know that I'm, this is gonna sound weird. She wrestles a very specific type of match, but there, there's like real bounds around what Shayna Baszler does, and also is not going to do in the context of her matches, and and it's not as wide as Asuka. Asuka, I think, had a wider palette of moves and styles that she can go to to keep matches interesting. Um, Shayna does not have as many tricks in her bag. Yeah, but I mean, Shayna has presence. And oh, that, yeah, yeah, right, and presence gets you a very, very long way. Yeah, I, I'm just like, man, if Io Shirai is not the person to take this belt off of them the first time going out, 
And I don't. I don't. And know what if is can... the what? Jasmine Duke, Marina Shafir. Why? Like, what are we doing? You know, like, what's going on here? Well, it, they're training still. We don't know how good they are. I know. Then why are they point. on camera at this point? Because, because every, because that's the way they build stables is one star and flunkies. And right. they're flunkies. They're good flunkies, but. To me, it's it's gonna be very hard to build up. I, I felt like with, I mean the whole weird. point of getting Duke and Shafir to me, and even Shayna, and I, I kind of think this is a mishandling. So when Ronda's leaving, really you should be using Ronda to get you know the rub on these three, whether well, or not I think they're they actually were planning on doing something with them, and they just aborted it. Right, I know. That was dumb because it's the whole point, the whole reason why you sign these people. You get the reflective glory thing going on. You are just stubborn tonight. I am not stubborn. I'm correct <laughs> tonight. And as such, I'm not going to be talked off of this. Because it's because like every match you had a problem with it. I was just like, okay, I'm trying to say this is good, but you're like, eh, eh, eh. And that's not true. Eh. I was not hating on everything. I have not been hating on everything. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, well, you need to not be so affirmative. And so then I come in with, you know, contrarian takes or like alternative <laughs> takes. And then you're like, you need to not be so contrarian. And this is why I can't do it, Jeff. You're breaking me. You're breaking every part of me. Did did you get to watch Juice Robinson versus John Moxley? I have not, but I heard good things about it. I just liked that it was a little rougher around the edges and wasn't as stylized. It felt like an actual wrestling match from John Moxley. I I I, re- I really think you, those of you who heard us clown on Dean Ambrose for months, I I think he's gonna be very interesting to watch. And Juice Robinson was interesting to watch because yeah, he tried haircut. Yeah, yeah. I heard that he's done an image change, and I saw some pictures of this, and I was like, whoa, Juice Robinson starting to look like you know going from. Boy to man, I'm starting to see the the man in juice, and I'm into it. I'm into it. I think that's about all we got. I I, I can't think of anything else that that uh, to hit on. I, I can't remember any of the matches for next week on NXT. So. Um, I mean, real quickly, we had Keith Lee defeating Kona Reeves. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then Mia Yim's big emotional defeat of Bianca Belair. I guess maybe that's worth talking about. I have a thought on this match. Sure. I think eventually Bianca's going to lose the ponytail because I think I think for two reasons. Number one, it's such an iconic part of her character. Number two, I don't think anybody wants to get whipped with that thing anymore. Interesting. I think that's why they did the finish like they did it, where where she unties the ponytail and it ends up being part of the finish. It it sounds like the hair. We might get a hair match of some kind. Oh, maybe a hair versus title match, and she loses like that. That would actually be the good intrigue for the final Bianca versus Shayna thing. Well, but no, no, I, I, I think that's probably gonna be Mia and, and Shayna somehow. Where Mia puts her hair on the line. Uh huh. Against Bianca's. Oh, against Bianca's, for yeah. to go up against Shayna. Yeah. Well, no, 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 just to blow off this feud, because it, it's been one of those, it's, you know, they're going back and forth. I don't think Bianca Belair is getting heated up to go up against Shayna anytime soon. I think that she's going to be with Candice and Io still for a while. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I have, I'm not really sure where we're going with the with the women's division right now. I could see the hair thing happening. I don't know that I see Mia versus Bianca, hair versus hair. I think the whole point of this was to... The way I read this match is the whole point of this was to elevate Mia Yim to title contender style status. I'm fine with that too. If if they want to do Mia and Shayna next up, I and you know do the whole thing where you know Mia was the one who stood up for the locker room because you know Dakota Kai couldn't or whatever. Uh, you know she's a good wrestler, so I mean she'll give. I mean we've seen her and Shayna wrestle before, so I'm you know I'm happy to see that program again with Mia getting a little bit more uh, offense in. And, and look, I, I don't want to be Mr. Negative here, Jeff, but uh, I'm going to be. I, I thought that, yeah, and that's not true. I am always tonight on this episode mixing it up. Mia Yim crying after defeating Bianca Belair when they've been having very narrow matches that could go either way. I thought that was a little... I get the whole story they're trying to tell. Histrionic. Yes. This is a high-profile victory. However, she has been toe-for-toe with Bianca Belair, and that that has been 
the story that like in in these matches and the opening sequences and stuff they go move for move they're evenly matched evenly matched so beating someone evenly matched with feels good feels relieving but there's also this yeah but i you know i should have been able to do that the the way she reacted to it is like if i had a match with brock lesnar and somehow, like, I wound a punch-up, and, like, I knocked out Brock, and it was during a UFC pay-per-view event. I'd, like, be looking at the downed Brock Lesnar, like, looking at my fist and probably crying because nothing this cool will ever happened to me ever again. Um, and shouldn't have happened, and this is a real surprise. Whereas, you know, if you're someone who's at the same size as Brock Lesnar, or if you're Brock Lesnar and you're punching me... Um, you wouldn't be in tears afterwards. You you would have expected that outcome. Is Brock the title holder coming out of Saudi Arabia? Oh, you think there's going to be a big cash-in at this WrestleMania-caliber event in Jeddah? Maybe. We'll end there. I'm, you can follow me at Cracking13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow Rob McCarron at Rob Cass. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Chris, where else can they find you? Don't Worry.TV is my other show and my other other shows, the All in the Family podcast. Don't worry about the government on iTunes, on Stitcher, and the All in the Family podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Are you negative on those? No, I'm very positive on those. <laughs> <laughs>